You're listening to Along the Narrow Way, a podcast that walks you through books of the Bible verse by verse to help you dig into God's Word so you can walk along the narrow way with Christ more faithfully. Hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. Join them as they help us understand the Bible so we can walk more faithfully as disciples of Jesus. We're in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to hopefully finish the chapter tonight. That's our goal. But like always, I'll make no promises that we will finish, but we, that's the goal I have set tonight is to finish the chapter. So we'll see. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 um, is where we're going to be tonight. Before we get into the study of God's Word, let's ask him to bless that study. Jimmy, would you do that for us? Sure, will. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for this time to be with you. We praise you for that you are a Heavenly Father. And Lord, we praise you for this past Sunday that we got to celebrate that. And we need to just celebrate that every day, that you are a Heavenly Father. And that you bless us with godly fathers, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray right now that you'll guide us in your Word. Help us rightly divide your word of truth by the power of your Holy Spirit. And may you be glorified in and through our lives. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So far in chapter 11, we have seen Paul um, speak about how it's foolish that he even has to address some of the things that he's having to address uh, because of these false apostles that have levied accusations against him and the church has bought into it. He's talked about the folly involved in even being compared to these false apostles. And he's spoken to his fear that the church is being deceived or has been deceived by these false apostles who he calls messengers of Satan. And he explains how just as Satan transformed himself into an angel of light, so these false apostles have snuck into the church and deceived people. Then he goes into kind of an introduction to um, comparing himself uh, to the false apostles and talking about that. And we pick up with verse 16 tonight where he's really um, going to pick up the defense of himself a little more pointedly. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly, in the confidence of boasting. See that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone else is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Let's pause right there. There's really no good pause here in this part of the chapter, but just for the sake of breaking this down a little bit, we'll stop there. So... Paul now is really going to start looking more at defending himself against these attacks of the false prophets. He's done it all along the way. He's addressed things. But now it's specifically a comparison between him and the false apostles that have come into the church. And he's really going to uh, defend his apostolic credentials, the genuineness, the authenticity of his call as an apostle. Um, 
But he again, again, right here in uh, the beginning of verse 16, addresses how this is really foolishness. Um, it's a folly, an exercise in, in, in folly that he's even having to do this. Um, and he's reluctant to boast about himself, but he will do so because the church at Corinth is under attack and is threatened. They have fallen for the lies of the false apostles who are so boastful of themselves. So now he will step in and be a little boastful to prove his credentials. Um, notice how he begins, verse 16, I say again, I say again. He's already talked about this and how this, this is just, it's, it's really just absurd to him. This is even an issue. Here's this church who he trained and he pastored. People like Apollos and Peter came in and helped them. Mm. They had powerful men of God who led them. Yes. And now they're falling for false apostles, false teachers. And Paul's like, again, let me just tell you, this is kind of idiotic that we even got to this point, but here we are. And so let's discuss the matter. He says, let no one think me a fool. I don't think he's saying that he really thinks people think he's a fool. I think what he's saying is, don't let any of you think I'm like these foolish false teachers. Don't, don't think that I'm in with them. Don't think I'm like them. I'm not one of these foolish apostles. I'm the real deal. So don't anyone think I'm that way. But if you do, if you do think I'm that way, if you do think I'm a fool, well, then at least give me the courtesy you've given them to hear me out. You listen to them, so at least hear me out then. Mm, that's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Give the truth a chance. Grant the same opportunity for me to speak and influence you as you granted them in their foolishness. So Paul steps in here to do this, and, and once again, he's doing this to protect the spiritual well-being of the church. Um, engaging in a comparison with these false apostles and listing his service next to them, it really is foolish. He shouldn't have to do that, but he's wanting to protect the church, the spiritual well-being of the church. And he, he's going to tell, here's what these guys have done to you, and so here's why I'm having to do this. He says, I'm going to have to boast a little bit. I'm going to have to... Uh, speak about myself, which Paul didn't do a whole lot as far as look who I am and the things I've accomplished. And, and even when he does it here in a minute, you're going to see it's really not braggadocious. He's just laying out, look what I've experienced. Um, he's really just telling them what his mission is. This is right. what I've been told to do right. and teach and preach and I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You know, going back to, uh, you know, the false apostles and them listening to just anything. I, it kind of reminds me today, you know, people will follow all kinds of philosophies and read all kinds of self-help books. And, but then when they, their, fight, their argument with the Bible is, well, that was wrote by a bunch of men and everything. Well, what you're reading is wrote by a bunch of men, too, mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. It's just the difference is one's divinely inspired and one's not. You That's know? right. You know, That's right. I don't, it's foolish to even argue about that. You know, to me, it is, you know. That's, I, agree. I see where Paul is getting at. Yeah, that, I, you know, I'm you know where you. I'm at. You know yeah, where I'm, I'm at. I'm with you on that. Absolutely, absolutely. The truth of God are to be uh, what we hold to and allow speak to in our lives and hold to. Um, not that not that there's not benefit from some of these uh, 
other authors or other oh, people. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. They've been granted a degree of wisdom, but you can't compare a human-inspired thought to Absolutely. the di divinely inspired, God-breathed, infallible truth, you know. Um, so Paul's laying that out here. He goes into verse 17, what I speak, I speak not according to the Lord. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, Paul. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everything you do is according to the Lord. What do you mean what you speak, you don't speak according to the Lord? What, what are you talking about? Well, I think the comment here is that this kind of foolish boasting that I'm about to do, that's not in the Lord. That's not like the Lord. That's not in my patterning after the Lord. Mm -hmm. Paul had always conducted himself the best we can tell, and according to his own testimony, patterning his life after Christ, conducting his ministry the way Jesus also conducted his ministry. He spoke as he felt the Lord would speak. He ministered as he felt the Lord would minister. In this case, he's saying, look, when I start boasting, that's not like Jesus, that's the right. perfect example of humility. So what I'm about to say, I'm not saying in the Lord or like the Lord. I'm having to say this because I'm having to prove myself to you. So I understand Jesus is too humble to go around bragging. And when you hear me boast, maybe I'm not being just like Jesus, but you forced my hand in this. Um, so that's what that statement means. When he says, I speak not according to the Lord. It's not that this section of scripture is not divinely inspired. He said, he's pointing out what you're forcing me to do in telling you all the things I've done, it may look prideful, and that's not in the character of Christ, but I have to because you won't accept me if I don't prove my credentials because you accept these false apostles and not me. So that's why he's doing this. So it was not the most desirable course of action for him to take, but it was the only course of action left for him to take. He's saying, look, I don't believe this is what Jesus would do. He, he conducted himself with humility, but there's no other course of action I have. I don't even have to tell you things about myself. I'm going to boast a little bit, but I don't have any other alternative. Albert McShane, in his commentary, wrote, had any other course been hopeful of success, this one would have never been taken. The, the wise acres at Corinth had fed too long at the table of fools to relish a normal diet of the saints. So, that is Paul, is compelled to set forth before them what they can digest, mm. even though he himself regards it as unpalatable. Mm. So Paul says, well, this is just ignorant to me. I don't want to do it. It's not enjoyable, but it's the only, other, it's the only thing I can do. It's the only course of action. Now, again, he's talking about boasting. When he, he says, I'm going to have to boast a little bit. And so verse 18, he, he moves into this idea that I am going to boast of my credentials. Why? Because the false apostles boast of themselves, and you've bought into that. So now I'm going to have to prove myself as well. The problem was their boasting was according to the flesh. You see that in verse 18. See that many boast according to the flesh. These false apostles boasted about their own abilities, their own accomplishments, their own eloquence in speaking. Paul's boast was always in Christ, for Christ, about Christ. Mm. 
Paul's going to boast a little bit to prove his credentials, but even when he does, it's, it's wrapped up in the calling of Christ and the work for Christ. And so you can really see, Jimmy, uh, those who are false apostles that come into the church, if you listen to them long enough and pay attention, you'll start hearing their boasting always point back to themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Absolutely. Paul says that's boasting in the flesh. Yes. He's fixing to boast of his own credentials, and he's going to talk a whole lot about himself yeah. and what he's experienced. But if you look at it in, in context with open eyes, you'll see that it's boasting about what he's experienced for Christ and in Christ Amen. and through Christ. Amen. It's not boasting in the flesh. And so he's, he's going to present this. And verse 19, look at what he does. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. That's a pointed statement. That's a satirical statement. Paul's drawing a very difficult truth out. He's laying, he's laying a, a bitter pill to swallow before the Corinthians. Here they are in Corinth, the center of culture and, and uh, advancement and reasoning and so forth. These people believed that they were so wise... Yet in their great wisdom, they had fallen for the foolishness of false apostles. Yeah. They got so wise in their own wisdom, so proud about their own wisdom, that they fell hook, line, and sinker for false doctrines and the teachings of false apostles. They trusted in their own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit. They were so sure of themselves, they forgot they need to test the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. Mm. And they just bought right into the foolishness of the false apostles. Mm -mm -mm. And look at what he says. Um, that was uh, verse 19. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with fools there's a hint there that maybe not everyone just fell hook, line, and sinker, but they were still willing to put up with yeah. these false teachings. They were still willing to accommodate these false teachings. They were still willing to be tolerant of these false teachings. So what you see is a church that some people in the church, they fell for the false doctrines. You, other people in the church were willing to tolerate and accommodate the false doctrines. Mm which is probably, in my mind, even worse than falling for them. Because if I'm deceived, well, that's on me for allowing myself to be deceived, but if I know it's wrong and tolerate it, I think the difference is how the Bible describes Adam and Eve, um, how Paul described it to Timothy, when he said Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned. Yeah, yeah. Satan deceived Eve, but Adam knowingly willingly sinned. I think that's the difference there. He says, some of you are putting up with this. That tells me some of you know this isn't right, yeah. but you put up with it. You tolerate it. You accommodate it within your church. That's a dreadful thing that that would happen within a church. He moves into verse 20. For you put up with it. Once again, you tolerate, you accommodate it. But look what happens to them when they do that. When you tolerate, when you accommodate false doctrines, false teachings, those who uh, are false apostles, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. 
If one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. Paul here lays out very specific things that these false apostles were doing to the church. Yeah. They were bringing the church into bondage. That means to enslave is what that means. These false apostles' teachings were bringing those in the church under their control, enslaving them to their control, enslaving them to a lie. All right. They were robbing these Christians of their freedoms in Christ, enslaving them to what wasn't true. He says they devoured them. They were devouring the church. That phrase carries the idea of plundering. Mm. Like when uh, the Vikings come in and take over and they plunder everything. They take everything. They consume everything. He says these false apostles that you're tolerating and accommodating, they're plundering your church. They're consuming your resources. Specifically, I think he's talking about finances because yeah. if you remember earlier, he specifically talked about how, how he refused to accept financial compensation not to burden the church. I think he's speaking here that they are devouring your finances, willingly consuming your resources. Mm. He says the false apostles took from the church, that is to take advantage of the church. They use the church for their personal gain, their personal advantage, their, their promotion of self. It wasn't for the benefit of the church, it was for their personal benefit that they were there. In fact, the next thing he says is they exalt themselves. He's pointing out that they're, they're obsessed, they're absorbed with their own importance. They want to be elevated in their selfish pride, and they're using you to feed that pride. He says this phrase about being struck on your face. The false apostles struck the church on the face. To be struck on the face was... In that culture, the ultimate form of disrespect, it was a backhand across the face. And that was, if you just wanted to really disrespect someone, you did that. And you see these false apostles have an utter disrespect for the sanctity of the body of Christ. Mm. They disrespected the church. They brought shame upon the church in their actions. Their actions were not only shameful personally, but because the church tolerated and accommodated and followed and bought into, shame came upon the church. It became a disrespectful gathering. So Paul speaks to the detriment here that comes just from the tolerance or the accommodation offered false teachers and false apostles. Mm. He moves into verse 21. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. What that means is these guys, they may have enslaved you and devoured and taken advantage. They may have uh, uh, been elevated. They may have brought shame upon you, but we just couldn't do it. I guess we were too weak. He's, once again, he's being satirical here. I guess we just weren't strong enough like those guys to take advantage of you. <laughs> you know, it's to our shame. We were too weak to, to use you for our own selfish gain our own self, selfish promotion. And then he says, I speak foolishly. He says, I'm saying that in a foolish sense. 
because these guys have done it to you. But he says, uh, he makes a statement here, but in whatever anyone is bold, I am bold also. So he said, look, just as these false apostles have been bold in what they're doing, I will now boldly defend myself. I'm fixing to just lay it all on the table. I'm fixing to just tell it like it is. I would say it this way. I'm going to tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. Here it comes. That's what he's saying. Here it comes. And so in verse 22, he begins to defend the authenticity of his apostleship. And notice, picking up a verse 22, the different elements he, he offers as evidence of his apostleship. It, some of it's not exactly what we would think. B picking up verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with the rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in these things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Artis, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands." All right, let's stop there. Now, I'm stopping there, but this is another example of a, a chapter break that would be helpful if it wasn't there. Chap the first part of chapter 12 really ties into this, but we're going to go ahead and stop right there. So coming back to verse 22, Paul's laying out the actual evidence. Let me tell you how you know I'm a real apostle. Let me just give you my credentials. And he starts out by saying, these false prophets, they say they're Hebrews. Well, so am I. I'm a Palestinian Jew. I moved and was raised in Jerusalem. I was trained under Gamaliel. You can't say I'm not a true Hebrew. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. I'm a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm one of the chosen people of God. Are they the seed of Abraham? Well, so am I. I'm an heir of the covenant promises of God, just like they are. I fit all those qualifications just like they say they fit into them. As far as the heritage goes, I'm there. But then he, then he asks a question, and he asks it uh, as a fool, he says. He asks this question about the false apostles. Are they ministers of Christ? And he says, I speak as a fool. That, that is literally, are you insane? I mean, that's what that means. He says, are they ministers of Christ? Are you insane? Are you crazy? No, they're not ministers of Christ. Absolutely they're not. He says, but I am. 
I am. I'm a minister of Christ, more so than they can even claim to be. There's evidence of my laboring for Christ. It's genuine. You can see I'm a genuine apostle of Christ. It's written upon the pages of my life. Let me just tell you a little bit about it, he says. Let me just tell you a little bit about the pages of my life. Let's read the, the synopsis of my life, and let me just show you the reality of how I minister for Christ. He says, I have labored for Christ. That means to toil away, to engage in an exhaustive work. It's to work to the point of exhaustion and then just keep going. That's how he labored for the gospel. This church wasn't going to see that in the false apostles because they weren't committed to Christ. But Paul was. Paul said he suffered stripes above measure. He endured beatings, probably so numerous that he probably couldn't even recount all of them. He just said they were above measure. More than I can count. I've done that because I'm an apostle of Christ. He said, I've been imprisoned. Clement, who was writing history at the end of the first century, said in his writings, he believed Paul had been imprisoned seven different times because he was an apostle of Christ. Paul said he faced death. In fact, he was in constant danger of death. Right from the beginning of his conversion there in Damascus, which he mentions here, all throughout his ministry, Paul's life was threatened because he was an apostle of Christ. Then he gives specific examples of these things. He says, five times I received 39 lashes from the Jews. The law of Moses allowed four, but uh, the, the religious elite had become so pious, they counted to 39 just in case they miscounted. They didn't want to take a chance of going over 40. So five times he received 39 lashes. Three times the Romans had beaten him with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. Three times he was shipwrecked. And he spent a night and a day adrift at sea, floating on driftwood or who knows what. <laughs> Why? Because he was an apostle of Christ. He was often in danger in the journeys he took. He said from floodwaters, he said from robbers. He faced hostility from the Jews. He faced hostility from the Gentiles. He found hostility in the cities. He found hostility in the wilderness and on the sea. He found hostility from the false brethren, such as the false apostles there at Corinth. Constantly, he's under attack. Constantly, he's facing hostility. Constantly, he's dealing with hardship. Multiple times, people try to kill him. He is beaten and in prison. He suffers all of this. And this is what he talks about when he says, let me prove I'm an apostle of Christ. He didn't here go back and recount the testimony of his conversion. He didn't go back and recount how he was at Jerusalem and was affirmed by Peter and James. He didn't recount the successes of his missionary journeys. When he said, I'm going to brag a little bit on how you know I'm truly an apostle of Christ, he went into this long list of all the terrible things that he suffered. But I think he's proven a point. Mm -hmm. Because you have to genuinely follow Christ to endure that. That's right. If you're a fake, you're not about to endure all that. If you're a fake, you're going to give up 
You get beaten one time and you're like, this isn't worth it. But he endured. Why? Because he was genuine in his faith and he was truly called. He says that he worked as an apostle in weariness and in toil. He labored in hardship. He worked through sleepless nights. He worked to support himself quite often. He might work all night so he could preach all day. Sometimes he was in want. Sometimes he was in need. Sometimes he went hungry and thirsty. Sometimes he was cold. It says cold and nakedness. It doesn't mean he didn't have clothes. It means he was exposed to the elements. He was without shelter at times. He didn't have proper room and board during his ministry at all times. He faced difficulties. But he faced one burden that was overwhelming compared to everything else. There was one hardship he faced, one uh, affliction, one uh, torment that he had that, that was more of a burden than anything else. Verse 28, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. What burdened Paul more than anything? The spiritual well-being of these churches. I might be beaten, I might be whipped, I might be put in prison, I might be adrift because I was in a shipwreck. All this stuff happens to me, but I tell you what burdens me, the spiritual well-being of the churches. Look at what he says, verse 29. Who is weak and I'm not weak? What that refers to is when the churches are weak, does it not afflict me? Who is made to stumble and do I not burn with indignation? When the churches stumble, am I not filled with a righteous anger? and concern. Of all the things I've endured and all the things I've suffered, there's one thing that weighs upon me more than anything else, the spiritual well-being of the churches. And when they stumble or they're made weak, it afflicts me. And so now you read that statement and think back over the first ten and a half chapters of this book and you begin to see, wow, that's why Paul's so adamant about combating these false apostles. He says he has such a burden for the church. And it hurts him when they stumble. It hurts him when they're made weak. He says, so if I boast, I boast in the things concerning these infirmities. If I'm going to boast about anything, let me tell you about all the bad stuff, because here's why. So that the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever so that he can be glorified because he knows I'm not lying. If I have to boast, let me boast about God. If I have to prove my credentials, let me prove them by letting you know what God has seen me through. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. That's the exact opposite of these false apostles who boasted about themselves and their accomplishments and all the great things they could do. And here Paul is saying, if I'm going to boast, I'll tell you about all the weaknesses. I'll tell you about all the mistakes. I'll tell you about the suffering. Let me tell you about the bad stuff. If I'm going to brag on something, let me tell you that. Because when you know the bad, you can see the glory of God. When you see my weakness, you can see the strength of God. When you see how inept I am, you can see how powerful God is. And so he's boasting in the Lord. So even when he says, I'm going to boast, he's still humble enough to boast in his weaknesses, in the difficulties that he's experienced, so that he can point to the power of God that has seen him through it. 
You know, I want to. You know, he doesn't mention the conversion experience. He didn't go. I've seen a great light, and I've got a revelation from God for you. Mm-hmm. He just shows you what a Christian goes through in their walk with Jesus. You're under attacks of all kinds mm-hmm. and everything like that. That doesn't mean that you don't have joyous moments right. and stuff like that, because Paul does have joyous moments. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're, you know, as as I guess as a family man. Your anxiety should be for your spiritual well-being of your family. Mm-hmm. You know, that should be like what you feel for the church and for your church sure. family and for your family, you sure. know, and everything Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. So, well, Paul, when we start into verse or chapter 12, Paul's fixing to let some information out that is really something to brag about. Yes. Some, some of the uh, heights of the glory of God that he got to experience. Yes. So he, he's starting out here in this last half of chapter 11 to prove his credentials by talking about all those yes. weak areas and setbacks and sufferings and yes. so forth. He lays all that out. Then when we move into chapter 12, which really ties to chapter 11, they really shouldn't, I mean, the break there is unfortunate. Chapter 12, he's going to roll out, but let me tell you some of the neat things. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you some things I have seen. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, chapter 12, he's going to flip the coin over and uh, really share some things that are, it's phenomenal, really, yes. um, that God allowed him to experience and see and, and, and so forth. Anyway, Jimmy, got any th- more thoughts on this chapter here? Man, we wrap it up. You hit it out of the park right there, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, we can, we just don't need to let ourselves be bought into lies and stuff like that. It, it all, everything that, we have to weigh everything in the light of God's word. Mm-hmm. If it's a false apostle, false teaching, it won't hold up to God's word. If it's mm-hmm. a helpful thing, it'll hold, it'll be according to God's word and stuff like that. That's you, right. Usually, people that write books and stuff that are actually in God's word, you'll, they'll add up to what God's word says, oh, and you can always go along with that and everything like that. But, but ultimately, I think you should always get your wisdom and your knowledge right here. That's right from the scriptures, because that's going to be. The ultimate truth. There's going to be nobody's opinion other than God's opinion right here. The one that matters. That's right. The one that matters. Well, good deal. Good deal. Well, listen, we want to thank everyone who tunes in on Wednesday nights to study with us. And those of you who who follow along with the podcast, uh, that's really cool. And that really flatters us. And we're humbled by that. We thank you for that. And uh, ask you to keep going along and sharing that with folks. We'd invite you to engage with us. You have an open invitation every Wednesday night to be here at 6.30 and sit in with us to study and to stay after for prayer time. And, of course, Sunday morning, Sunday school's at 9, worship at 10. Drop by and visit with us. Let us know you you found us uh, uh, on the uh, podcast or online at the study or whatever, and we'd sure like to meet you. So we're going to sign off so we can go to prayer time with our church family. But thank you for tuning in with us tonight, and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to Along the Narrow Way, hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening, and remember to stay faithful to walk along the narrow way with Jesus.